My name is Tom Sherman. I'm with Benchmark Mortgage here in Dallas. We're a large privately held mortgage bank here in the Dallas area, actually licensed in about 40 states. And one of the things that makes Benchmark unique is that in a world that has really been disrupted with everything that's occurred in the financial industry in the last several years, Benchmark is a company that really focuses on the stewardship of the client. We want to make sure that we don't just help people get into a mortgage loan. We want to help them make sure that they get into the right mortgage loan that's that's really going to help them get to a better place financially and be better stewards of their resources. Right now, the mortgage market is very, it's very commoditized. The same products, the same rates, the very similar fees from one lender to the next. And what really separates us as a company is our focus on not just getting a loan, but helping the client get the right loan from their needs. Best way to reach me is a cell phone, 214-680-1166. Or my email, which is tom.sherman at benchmark.us. My name is Dan Harker. I'm a part of the Harker Five Star Team. Uh, we're with Keller Williams Realty. We help families buy and sell homes. We help investors buy homes. We help people with new construction. We help people sell ranches. We help people buy ranches, not just residential. And we cover the North Dallas, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant County areas as a team. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is on my cell phone, which is 214-957-1111, or on my email address, dan at danharker.com. Hey, this is Todd Metton with Wingstop. I am elated and excited to sponsor the walk with Shivers and Frito. All right, thank you. It is time for another episode of The Walk, and it's Frito and David Shivers. And David, who do you bring us today? Well, I got my good buddy and um, fellow Prestonwood member, Charles Williams, who runs uh, an incredible ministry, uh, a lot of it in mean, multiple places downtown in uh, the inner city of Dallas and then up here uh, in the suburbs at, at in Plano at Prestonwood, a ministry called Elevate Your Game. Uh, Charles is... Um, an accomplished basketball player, a uh, faithful servant of the Lord, faithful member of Prestonwood, and um, just a young uh, a man that cares a lot about young people and um, not only their development on the basketball court, uh, but off of it. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently, uh, Charles, and, and how God's uh, using your ministry. All right. First of all, let me say thanks to you guys for having me on, man. I think it's a, a just a privilege to be able to share uh, something about, you know, uh, the passions that, you know, believers have that are not as traditional as you would think, but it's still ministry is all the same. Um, I started uh, my program in 1999 officially here in the States, but uh, actually I was doing it all the while when I played overseas and, Dominican Republic and Argentina and Venezuela, um, uh, Mexico, places like that. But <clears throat> it was all inspired uh, when I was little. Um, I had this passion of playing, uh, being an athlete, and hopefully a professional athlete, hopefully a collegiate athlete. And God had blessed me to do all of that without any injuries. And I successfully uh, completed 15 years. Uh, my father passed away, uh, my father being a pastor, coming from a household of pastors and just um, full-time ministry working people, you know, uh, just loving people, loving the Lord. So it kind of just stayed, in, you know, it was always in my in my bloodline to be able to serve and help people. So as I was closing uh, my career, I asked God, uh, what could I do to be a part of the kingdom? And I think all of this came about uh, because of my father. When he passed, I, I remember – the passage of train up a child 
And it's amazing how you train kids up. And even if they go wayward, they have a, if, um, you know, if they have the right, I think the right foundation. foundation yeah. Yeah. The roots. Uh, they, they are finding their way back, you know? Um, and so my father passed away, man. I just, just remembered all the things that he would uh, teach me and tell me and just use those principles. And I packaged it. Uh, into a uh, character development, character and leadership development program that I have for our program. So I found that the best tool I yep. had was basketball. Um, and so I had to find my way to try to find uh, find a way to try to uh, converse and get a chance to uh, share uh, what I thought was uh, interesting, which was education and uh, having a relationship with God. So uh, um, uniquely, um, I ran into the right people, um, and I got some help and some support, uh, from people like, uh, those at Prestonwood, um, and beginning there in, in the inner city when I, I, um, when I started out some loving people there, open their doors and, um, just started, man, just hitting the street and just, uh, sharing, um, sharing what I knew about the Lord. And then sharing about my experiences in basketball, and I found out that I needed to teach it first. Um, that was the hook. And then after which we were able to um, break out into what I call a circle of empowerment. And then we just shared. Uh, and so now it's just just evolved now into what it is today. So what kind of age groups were we talking about? At the time, it was just open straight across the board. But um, as things uh, move forward, we start just targeting 13 and under. Um, trying so the to, majority of the kids in your program right now are 13 and under? 13 and under. Yeah, it's for two reasons. One, uh, for the development, the psychic development, um, and then the physical development. Um, and then wanted to make sure that we were trying to get the right audience before they got too old. You know, um, uh, They can play the game well enough, so it was fun working with kids uh, under that age. You can teach them more. They're willing to listen to you more. And so we wanted to do that, and it makes it fun for everybody. So you started this Elevate Your Game. You said it's evolved into what it is today. You started it after you finished playing. I mean, you were doing it, as you mentioned, concurrently while you were playing, but officially kind of launched off into it after basketball was completed right. Right. back here in the States. What year was that? Uh, I was it was night in 1999. It was officially like 2000. I think I got to Prestonwood around 2002. Okay. Uh, after working into um, in Dallas for a while, and a, a gentleman, a good friend of mine, just let you know, took me and said, "Hey, man, I need to introduce you to a friend of mine at Prestonwood," and then mm-hmm. the rest is history. But it came about because I was fresh off of the basketball court, and. Uh, without having any seminary training and just going off of what you've learned growing up in the church. One thing I know for sure is that you have to learn how to ration the word of God out and you can't just assume that everyone is where, where you are. You are. Yeah. So I knew the kids had an interest in basketball. And so I started there. And then as you get chance to build relationships, you're able to pour more into them. So, is, that's what I mean about where it evolved now. Yeah, you know because we got relationships built. How did the kids get to you? Well, that that's that that, that I'm glad you asked that one. One, I uh, put about thirty thousand miles on my vehicle in in one year, yeah. and that's getting out in the street. Mm-hmm. That's Charles I, going I, to the kids. Yeah, 
and that's so the kids going to him. That's, yeah, exactly. that's probably a better way to put it. You're right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, and um, I, I remember um, talking to um, Donnie Nelson Jr. at the Mavs, just expressing and and, and going down and getting some basketball goals and actually sitting up in the parking lots, and yeah. um, and then just putting some music some music on in an area where you know you had some traffic from the uh, apartments you know and kids just stopping by and then we just people just would um different organizations down there in south dallas would open their, their door so we can come down and we started like that how do the parents respond i know there's probably a lot of single parents that you know very grateful very grateful yeah. and gracious because we find ourselves in things uh, in, in situations like that ourselves, and it's not planned. I mean, you got a lot of single parents, so to speak, uh, families, and uh, I tell you, uh, there's more single uh, parent families that are embracing this than you mm-hmm. can imagine, and so that's why you know the harvest is so plenty for it. So you just you literally went down, drove your truck, found a court where there was some traffic. You knew some people would be coming by. Opened up the back, cranked up some music, and started playing ball and saying, "Come, come, who may come?" Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You guys, come on and absolutely. It's amazing how let's God get to together give you around that. this game of exactly. basketball. I, I was yeah. fearful at first of uh, on how you're going to deliver. Yeah, um, until I had people just pushing me out, faith, you know, faithful people just saying, "Hey, you know, this is what you know God called you to do. Hey, it's got to be you. You got to take the first step." Blah blah blah, and all that. And I'm sure people that may be listening uh, that are a part of EYG are some of the same people that was with me driving their pickup truck through the streets in Dallas. And uh, we would go and ask kids, and they would jump in, and they would bring five or six more kids. And we would go out again until we had 30 or 40 kids. It's amazing. And then you just go find a park and just start setting up your clinics like you do now, doing skills and different – Yeah. Say yeah. stations and teach them yeah. the game of basketball. Yeah, it was it, it was it was wild like That's that. Awesome. I mean, um, um, the strategy it just it just came, you know, the strategy came, and I think it's because when you have a passion to do something, and God puts that there, mm-hmm. if you follow your heart to it, is imagine uh, the old saying is where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, and so um, th- God just brings some amaz- amazing things uh, about just by that, even from the funding, even from supplies, even from Gatorade, basketball, whatever God supplied it. So when the kids get there, they think they're just learning basketball. Yeah, they yeah. They, they don't have any idea that they're going to yeah. learn life lessons and character yeah. building and leadership. Absolutely, and that's the thing. Uh, I always found, even though I grew up in a, 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 a Christian family, a, a brought up in that family, my coach to speak more into me because I was more vulnerable. And so those kids are vulnerable at that place, and you got to really be careful at what you're teaching, and that's why I challenge a lot of coaches as well, and we do coaches' clinics, is that beware of what you're teaching them as well and and, and the mindset that you're trying to give them. Um, You're not trying to lead them astray and try to dilute you know, their passion or their dream to be successful as far as being an NBA player or whatever, but at the same time you got to give them the facts of life. And uh, so that's where we are now with Elevate Your Game is not just talking about the game, basketball. We're talking about elevating what God is giving you and then go from there and may God get the glory from that. You know, David, you know that I'm I'm a sports fan, obviously. And I don't know if you've yep. been to my house or not, but I live right next to a big park in Allen. 
And so I will go over there and I'll watch some football practices, some like peewee football practices, and I'll watch some coaches coach baseball over there. And sometimes I'm just – it's jaw-dropping what you hear coaches say to these kids and what you just said about how vulnerable they are and how impressionable they are at that age. Mm-hmm. I, it's just shocking to hear yeah. something. And, 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 and that's the exception to the rule, it's um, not especially the, uh, at no that one. park. Most of the coaches that I watch mm-hmm. are really good coaches and everything. But you'll hear some things, and I'm thinking, man – I'm yeah. almost glad I don't have kids because I don't want them involved with that. Yeah. Right. Right. And we're, you know, you just, I, I was challenged by it because of where I come from. And I was challenged by it because I had a great college coach, great high school coach, uh, had uh, great mentors like Dale Harris, who I knew was the Christian coach and I wanted to be around. And I was fortunate enough that he accepted me in into his Bible, you know, study classes with other coaches. And then being at Prestonwood, uh, Joe Perry, you know, was yeah. my mentor there, and they just really challenge you to to live, you know, live what you're talking about, or to the best of your ability, and then be able to put God on display and not yourself. Well, and that's what our show and the reason that we do what we do here on this podcast is to highlight uh, people who have taken a a step of faith as God put a a dream or a desire or a passion in your heart. And I just think about that Hebrews 11, one and Hebrews 11, six, where Hebrews 11, one says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of that, which we do not see. Like you could have never seen today what EYG has become when in 1999 and 2000, you're driving around with a couple of your buddies in trucks saying, Hey, go find some kids and let's go find a part where we can play some music and, and, and shoot some hoops. But then also verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, Amen. because Amen. anyone who comes Amen. to him must believe that he exists and Amen. that he rewards those who earnestly seek, seek him. him. I think Amen. God's honored your steps Amen. of faith, and he has rewarded you as you've uh, earnestly sought him out. I think that's something that uh, I know blesses and encourages me and that all of our listeners um, can mm. be encouraged by that. Exercise steps of faith. I mean, take... Bold steps of faith. Trust God. Take Him at His word, and 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 know that He's going to meet you. Amen. There I, I remember, uh, it was in uh, May. Uh, we were doing this National Day of Prayer, and uh, um, um, uh, Pastor Graham and uh, Bishop Jakes were meeting in the reunion arena, and uh, yeah. from there we did ninety days of blessings, right? And so I get this um, assignment. Uh, from one of the ministers there at Prestonwood, and it was to meet another pastor there in Dallas. That was in 2005. That's when I was telling you about we were going in the trucks. So after that, 10 years later, 2015, there was a piece of property. There was a little church piece of property there. Uh, they used four and a half acres of it. There's uh, an acre and a half left. And lo and behold, we are now the owners of that little piece nice. of land. We don't know what we're going to do with it, but just like anything else, we've been having faith to this to this point, and you never know, you know, what God is up to. So, um, hmm. so we're 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 challenged with that God, too. Yeah, seeking just, the Lord, seeking the Lord for that uh, on which what we should do with that. So it's just amazing. At the same place, I remember the pastor saying. God is going to do something here at this place. And it was a little church. The membership had swindled down to about six members. 
mm-hmm. and now there's a senior living center sitting there. Uh, but I remember the day me and the pastor was digging up some ground and some dirt and putting it in a little bag just to keep that. That's great. And now, um, and I shared that with him is 10 years later. Wow. The, God gave you that. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so what's a typical day like for you? For me, um, is uh, possibly uh, traveling down to see a kid, uh, probably picking a kid up, bringing him back to Prestonwood, having practice um, or whatever, hanging out with the kid. I really believe in the relationship building um, because, you, you, I mean, rules without a, a relationship is just, um, my dad would say, leads to rebellion. Yeah. You know, so if you, you can't get a kid to do anything on the court uh, if you don't have some if the kid doesn't feel that you love him in some, in some way, you know, and then the kids that I serve, you have to help them with a, a natural need before you can help them with a, with their spiritual needs. So backing up from where you are today, you had a pretty, um, successful by any, uh, measurement or, uh, imagination, pretty successful playing career. You played, uh, four years at Oklahoma state with a, a pretty, Three years. It was amazing because um, from the start, it's Did you been transfer amazing. there from a JUCO? Yeah, from a JUCO. Okay. I was going to a Division One school, and I was uh, actually um, um, kind of consulted to take the junior college route because things can work a little better that way. And uh, so I went that route and uh, ended up at Oklahoma State. And it's, the amazing thing about it is when I tell kids is that there's more, maybe 500,000 kids come out. And only about three percent go Division One, so I was a no name player, what you would call a no name player. Yeah, and that's why I believe so much in what we're doing um, for its development. And I ended up uh, because of the things that my high school coach taught me was uh, through fundamentals. Yeah, elevated my game, and then I find myself actually literally two years later in a D one situation. So, um, so you're playing at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You got a, a pretty well known coach that's on your team there with him. Who would you tell our listeners who that guy was? That was Bill Self. He was yeah. a, he was a coach already. I say, you know, on the as he was what playing. position yeah. did he play? Point guard. He was a point oh, wait, guard. Y'all were teammates? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I figured he had about ten, fifteen years on you. Really? <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. Charles yeah. look a lot younger Charles, than Yeah. Him? Yeah. Well, thanks awesome. for that. But he gave. We had an ESPN moment back then. He threw me a nice lob. We were playing against Kansas, and, yeah. and we talk about that every time we see each other. <laughs> threw it down. So, yeah. So and he's was, won what ten or twelve Big Twelve championships oh, yeah. now, like in yeah. a row. Yeah. He's it's got amazing. quite a program established there at uh, at Kansas. Uh, but so you you played there. At Oklahoma State after junior college, and then from there, uh, tell everybody where you ended played up. It. You've got uh, quite a journey from that yeah, point. I played eight, eight, eight countries. Uh, my first one being in Bahrain in the Middle East, uh, leaving the U.S., being a little from a little town, and and being able to travel in your first land in Israel, um, and then leaving, and then um, coming back to the U.S., and then having an opportunity to get picked up to play in your NBA Summer Pro League, and then get picked up to play in Argentina, um, get a contract there, um, and then just traveled. Um, after which I did all of uh, I did Europe, you know, did um, Latin America, and ended up playing yeah. most of my years there. Where was the most competitive level of basketball? Where was the best? Uh, basketball in your day and age. You said you finished uh, Oklahoma State in 85? Yeah. 
So we're talking about 85 to about 99, 2000, somewhere in there, 85 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to 98, 99. Where, in that time span, where was the best basketball played? First, I would say possibly Argentina. Argentina, without, yeah. besides Spain, was the most talked about, most reputable place to play. Manu um, Ginobili? Exactly. So at, at the time, after which, after which we had uh, Dominican Republic was great. Um, and then uh, one place that we call it the best summer job, and that was in Puerto Rico. And you couldn't ask for any. You play in the summers in Puerto Rico. In the summer was in Puerto Rico, and you had a lot of NBA refs. A lot of free agent guys would come through there before they actually went off to sign contracts uh, with a lot of NBA teams. So uh, I will put that place: um, Argentina, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico, you know, stands alone, you know, by itself now. It does it's very competitive. Yeah. Okay, now that's talking about the competition, the basketball. Yeah. Where was your favorite place to live? My favorite mm-hmm. place place to live wow man i love the i love the people of all of them but i would say if i had to live if somewhere, you had to move somewhere tomorrow tomorrow i would go to um mexico really uh yeah they have some beautiful places there they have lovely places in puerto rico with the beach and all that but you got some very nice secluded areas in mexico that you really don't hear about okay how about going on the other end of the spectrum where would you not want to live a middle yeah. east middle east middle east yeah what was yeah. the hardest one i mean obviously i'm thinking middle east now that you said that but what was well, the hardest place the for you middle to east live? was beautiful i mean i mean it was gorgeous sandy you yeah. know and all that is unique very unique uh impressionable you know you got great people there you got a lot of history yeah but um for as your social what we grew up in it, it just wasn't there you know yeah uh, difficult was, exactly so that was that was one of the things you had to really watch what you say and do, and so you know, yeah. not having the same freedoms, you know, would, would would make it that way. But other than that, so what would you say? Was there a defining moment or a point? I know uh, you had mentioned just kind of backing up that your father was a pastor and that your grandfather was a pastor, served the local church. Was there a a point or like a defining moment within your professional career where God began kind of planting these seeds of yeah. uh, for elevate your game and for your ministry now? Could yeah, you yeah. share with us some of that? Well, um, when my father passed and before that, you know, the challenge was to make sure for me was to make sure that whatever you're doing, um, you were able to help people or you were able to point people to Christ. And uh, like I said, I was playing more. uh, And and when I went to these different countries, I picked up the language quicker because I had an interest in wanting to meet with the common person and trying to find the need of people and where they would want us to stay. I would find myself out in the community uh, going over some of the guys' homes and meeting their families and, you know, going to their outdoor court and, you know, shooting and, you know, yeah, because just to clarify for our listeners, on these teams overseas, there would only be like two or three Americans, and the right. majority of the team consisted of local nationals local from nationals, that country. A- absolutely, and it was strictly business for them. Yeah, it was just it was a job. Business. A lot of them have other jobs that they did in exactly. addition to playing exactly. on the team. Well, I was going to crack exactly. a little sports joke and say that sounds like a Major League Baseball team. There's only like three or four <laughs> Americans on each one of those rosters. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Well played, Frito. Right, well right, played. right. Absolutely. So we felt, we, uh, felt um, I mean, you either, you didn't have to do it, 
Yeah. You know, that was one of the things. You come in and play, and most of the guys, they took into other extracurricular activities other than wanting to give their time because you're playing all the time and you're practicing or whatever. But it was just, it was just, it just was there. Uh, I didn't notice that until when I started getting later into the years of playing where I wanted to um, have it in my contract that I would have to do a, um, um, some sort of community event. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think the largest one was Kenny Smith has had finished and he was doing the uh, one in Puerto Rico and he had about 200 kids in attendance. And then I went to the city of San Juan and, and had the same attendance in a free clinic. At a free clinic. Yeah. And so I just kept doing that and uh, did it in Dominican Republic, did it in Mexico where we just went right to the city and then we partnered with them and we just did ours for free. Right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So backing up even further than um, as a kid, tell us about some of your initial um, moments of, of growth or maturity uh, in your faith. I, I mean, I, I'm a pastor. I've got children that are growing up in my home um, underneath the roof of a pastor. What was it like uh, for you? You said you're an only child. Only male. Only male. And okay. all sisters, four sisters. Four sisters. Wow. So Okay. Older, younger, are you in the middle? They will all put me last, <laughs> but I'm next to the last. So I got three older and, and one, one younger. younger. Do you ever have any time to get in the bathroom and shower? Or oh, they? man. Uh, not at all. You had to wait in line. That's for sure. You know, and back in the day, back in the 70s or 60s, yeah. you know, you standing in the hallway waiting. Waiting. <laughs> you know, so I had so, that challenge before. Yeah, no doubt. That had to be challenging growing up in a house full of uh, ladies, you and your dad, running for some refuge. But tell us about um, you, you know, maybe when you first heard the gospel, when you trusted Christ, uh, where was it? What do you remember about it? And maybe kind of how old you were. One of the significant um, parts in my development, man, I, the beauty uh, that I had um, that I remember was I got a chance to travel with my dad. Uh, being the only boy, uh, there would be times when back in the day, they have living in small town, East Texas, they would do revivals. And so the pastor would travel yeah. to the church. And so I would go all those days of the week and my mom would be kind of concerned or whatever, but she would give me a little sack lunch and try to get me back on time. You know, my dad had to get me back on time. So I really remember those. And then, um, I believe it's in the book of Deuteronomy. Even when you're in your walking and you're passing and yeah, you're coming yeah. and going, you're sharing the Shema. Uh, yeah. So my dad would do that. And so I remember that was when I was younger. I started driving when I was like eight, nine years old. We had a fur lane Falcon. We had three right. speed, you know, so um, my dad would show me that. And so you're driving a standard talking, when you're standard. eight years old. Yeah. Eight, nine years old. Man. Um, Some so I got business. a lot of responsibilities only early on. And, you know, that showed me a lot. At the same time, I remember one occasion my father had just finished um, uh, preaching, and uh, we were on our way home from church. This was a little older then. I was probably, you know, 15. And I, I had, to, you know, the question about um, um, which God, you know, because I looked at how he was talking about God and then how we lived. You know, we lived in a community. You know, we lived um, – 
in a small community. We were a little church on the corner, you know, back then they had the parsonage, you know, yeah. they're right on the same campus, but you had such a great impact in a community. And so, um, coming from Dallas and moving there and then moving to Oklahoma city where he pastored, um, you know, I, I didn't understand those days when you have those thin years being a pastor. Yeah. You know, and so he had to share that, you know, share that with me. It's almost like you, you're, you're, he always lived faith, but he talked about how amazing God was, you know. And then um, being a young kid, you're looking at, I'm looking at material wise. Yeah, yeah. You know, how's his, how's really God? Material wise, we, we don't have as much as the next person. Right. You know, we're doing fine, but is there supposed to be a day a day break here where, you know, uh, the members are not doing this? Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean, so so anyway, he it, it, that was one of the learning moments I had when we had a long discussion and where you have to understand the sacrifices that you make and the reason for hardships that a, a believer goes through into your transformation as being qualified or you know, into the, into the family of believers, you know, so to speak, you know, you have your resumes, I, I, I call it, you know, you have to have, you know, you know, if God is interviewing you, Hey man, why should I put you on my team? You know? So, well, and the beauty of that question for me, Charles, is I ask people all the time that what does it take to get in? It's not what we do. It's the finished work of the cross of Christ. Amen. Amen. And Absolutely. It's not what resume or pedigree or anything that we present, but mm-hmm. it's the finished and completed work of Christ on the cross and his substitutionary death in our place that uh, gives us this incredible privilege of being called children of the Most High God. And man, good for your father, I, I, that Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, that mm-hmm. that passage has stuck with you all these days until now that you think about I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just being out there with your dad and mm-hmm. doing those revivals and driving from town to town and sacrificing and serving. Uh, that's just a, a great passage, a great reminder for me as a dad to to love the Lord your God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, Deuteronomy 6 says. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, to impress these these same truths upon your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along yes, the road, yes. when you lie down, and when you get up. Yes. That, there's really a, a lifestyle of continual, continual. Uh, obedience, right. uh, continual right. dependence, and right. reliance upon right. uh, the Lord for right. any and all things. So, yeah. man, you're doing it. God's using you. He's got his hand on your life. We've been blessed to uh, have uh, Julia a part of a couple of the EYG teams and programs. Mm, yes. and just grateful for what God's doing uh, with your faithfulness and faith. Well, I appreciate that. And sometimes, man, I, I, I share with the coaches, it get kind of corny or it may seem like it because you got the new generation of athletes, but it's our challenge. You know, it's it's either you believe the word of God or you don't. You know, it's um, yeah. at night and I share it with the players at night. I want to be able to go home and sleep. So I got to give you everything that I think God has put in my heart to give mm-hmm. to you. And I don't want to cut, um, slight anyone. And I definitely don't want to leave anything undone. Um, so, um, the guys that I've been fortunate to, to coach in college at Dallas Christian college, and then being able to train here 10 or 15 years later, I get a chance to see these guys as men 
sharing their faith with their children. That's so, got to be a great feeling. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a blessing. If, if anything, you know, it's, it's never the material uh, thing that can bring that mm-hmm. that joy or whatever of sharing, uh, of being a laborer for the Lord. It's when you see that the kids that you train come back, you know, and, and be able to say something to you that encourages you that uh, you didn't slack or give up or cut them short. Well, yeah, that was a, a great, great um, message that you have. It's great what you're doing with the kids, and we really thank Thanks. you for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. I feel it a, a blessing and a privilege, and a, you guys made my day. God's got his hand on you. It's yeah, going to be all. Glory uh, to God. incredible. Just looking forward to seeing how God uses you in the days ahead, Charles. Amen. Stay faithful. Keep pouring into those kids. Thank you.